by the way, there are um, Bible study notes. That is to say, reading plan for January is out there. New plan for this year. We've changed it this year. So take those for ready for January. Welcome to Christmas Eve together. Uh, now that Christmas comes around, we put up lights and decorations, sing familiar carols, and eat foods we only eat at this time. Uh, mince pies, turkey, pigs in blankets, chestnut stuffing, cranberry sauce, Christmas pudding. That's only, that's only about a third of the, our Christmas table. We also shop like crazy before Christmas, don't we? And then we do it again as soon as Christmas is after because it's the sales. sales. That's right. Well, not every tradition or modern uh, uh, characteristic of Christmas can be or should be defended, but Christmas is historically and essentially Christian festival. The clues in the name, Christ Mass, Christ's celebration. Jesus may not have been born at this time of year, but he was born exactly as the Gospels record and the prophets declared. And we celebrate his coming as God with us just around this winter solstice, which is the darkest day of the year. December 21st is usually the darkest day of the year. And as the daylight begins again to increase, so we celebrate Jesus' coming. Our problem is that many people today Uh, Perhaps most people seem to enjoy, still enjoy celebrating Christmas, but try to forget the connection to Jesus, to his birth. But it is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It used to be that classically, you know, when they were making a movie, the director would would declare, lights, camera, action. You know, three words, and then it goes. I've got three words for you this morning, but they're these, light, gift, and feast. How many of you recognize those are all Christmassy things? Lights, gifts, feasts, you know. I'm going to show you how they connect to Jesus. In fact, really, because Christmas is about Jesus. First of all, Jesus is the light of the world. And I was teaching you last week that we're the light of the world, but that's only because Jesus came and was the light of the world and prepared and left us to be the light of the world in his place, representing him. He's still the real deal, but we represent him and illustrate him. Here it is from John's Gospel. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. When you saw Jesus and you saw his life, you saw the light of God. Just the way he was showed God. The light shone in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it or could not overcome it. In other words, he was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. Further on in the Gospel of John, Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. A light for the whole of life. Not just Christmas, not just Sunday morning service. A light for the whole of your life. While I am in the world, I am, in, I am the light of the world. And then preparing his disciples in the upper room. He says, for a little while longer, the light is among you. Walk while you have the light so that the darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. I've come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in the darkness. Jesus is the light of God to us and he continues to be the light of God to us if we're Christian believers. His light continues to shine. And 
calls us to himself, to draw close to him, to respond to him in faith and obedience. And the command to walk in the light is repeated in the epistles of John. Every Christian is to walk in the light, not in shadow, not in mixture, not in compromise, but in clarity and integrity, to walk in the light. The light is opposed to and overcomes all the darkness. Darkness, you know, uh, you switch the light on and where's the darkness gone? It, it, light overcomes it. Our Christmas lights start to remind us not of the Bethlehem star, but of Jesus Christ, the light of the world, who came into a very dark world, and the world still is a very dark place, but Jesus is the light of life, the light of hope, the light of the world. And then Jesus is the gift of God. We receive, give and receive gifts at Christmas time. Let me tell you about Boxing Day. Ever wonder what Boxing Day is about? Boxing matches? No, no. no it isn't. No. Boxing Day was the day they opened the church collection box for the poor and they distributed it to the people in the neighborhood. People had been giving, giving, week by week, 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 and it was opened up and distributed so the people had something in the winter months. And also, by Victorian times, the well-off, you know, the middle class and upwards and so on, would put together a box of food and provisions and give it to the people who worked for them or the, their neighbours or the suppliers, but people who had less than them. So from their surplus at Christmas time, they packaged up and gave away to others. And that's where we get Boxing Day from. Either the opening of the poor box or the giving of a box of food or supplies, taking from the larder, taking from your surplus and giving it to others. It became particularly that case in the middle of the 1800s, Boxing Day. Jesus is the gift of God. <clears throat> then, when Jesus returned to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit, who is in turn the gift of God, because he fully represents Jesus to us. He's given us to us in the place of Jesus. At the end of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, where Paul is instructing the church about giving and generosity, he finishes his discussion at that point with this phrase. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You say, well, what's the gift? And there's a number of things you mentioned in the Bible that you could say are the gift of God. Uh, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, life in the Spirit, future resurrection, eternal inheritance. They're the gift of God. Faith is the gift of God. But actually, all of those come to us as gifts because God has given one first primary gift, his Son. Yes to all of the above, but they're all ours because we are in Jesus. If you go through Paul's letters and you, you, cross, you, you put a line underneath, don't cross out, underline it, I mean, um, the phrase, in Messiah or Christ, in him, you'll find it again and again. We have everything we need and more in Jesus, but we have nothing without or outside of him. It's all in Jesus. Every good gift is in him. In fact, Romans, Paul argues, he who didn't withhold his own son but offered him up for us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things, everything else we need that is essential to us? 
comes to us as gift because he's already given us Jesus, the greatest gift. Indescribable gift. God gave us his son and the sum of all that we have in Jesus is frankly incredible and indescribable. And I could take time to start to describe it to you but it would take too long and we're not here for this long this morning. Most of us know John 3.16, yes? For God so loved the world. Let me give that to you in context. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged, not condemned. But he who does not believe has been judged, condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment. That light has come into the world and men, human, men and women, loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. The more the light shone, the more they wanted to hide. Everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds, his works, may be manifested as having been wrought in God. God the Father gave his Son into the world. Not just to lie in a cradle, but to be nailed to the cross. God had that much love for the world, for the whole world. Let's not argue with the phrase. He loved the world enough to give his son, so that people might believe. But to those who do believe, who trust in his son, God gives him to us to be our righteousness, to be our standing, to be our place of security and forgiveness and stability and hope with God, that we might live in him and with him. So we have passed out of judgment and we're accepted as the dear children of God in Jesus. And Jesus is now and continuing to be our whole life. God loves his children, his chosen ones, that much. God loves the world to a degree. But he loves his children in Christ in a way we can barely imagine. Because he loves us as he loves his son. Ephesians, we are loved in him. And Jesus himself talked about it and prayed for it, that the love that you love me may be in them. That we might know the love of God in the sense that God loves the son we might know that God loves us. That's how much God loves his children. I'm not saying God doesn't love the world. He loves the world. But not to the degree that he loves his children, those who trust in Jesus. Here's a lovely verse in 1 Corinthians 1. By his doing, other versions have by his will, you are in Christ Jesus. Don't mess with the in. I mean, it's like you're identified with him. You're closer than a married couple. You're closer than the best of friends. You are in him. Who became to us 
wisdom from God and righteousness, right standing, forgiveness, holiness, and sanctification and redemption, freedom, so that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We boast in Jesus. Not about our faith and about our, 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 our lifestyle and our self-discipline and whatever else. We boast in Jesus. Don't boast about our prayer life. We boast about him. Jesus is the gift of God to us and in him, he brings everything. Without him, nothing. In him, everything. Then Jesus is our feast. We feast at Christmas time, we eat and then we eat again and then we think about eating again. (laughs) Oh, just another mince pie. That's okay as long as you know that by the 27th, 28th, it's time to stop. (laughs) And get back to a normal level of diet. How many people start to cut down in January, you know? Okay. Now, Jesus is the feast of God to us. Now, that's not a directly biblical phrase. You think you're making it up. Well, no, bear with me. Come with me on the journey. Let's, Let's look at this together. In John's Gospel... Uh, Chapter 6 through, the Lord Jesus presents himself firstly as the bread of life to us. This is the true bread of God, not the manna that the Israelites had. This is the true bread of God that has come down of heaven and gives life to the world. I'm the bread of life. I'm here to give life to the world, said Jesus. Then, not so many verses later, he invites his disciples and those who follow him to eat of his flesh and of his blood. Now, I don't know about you, but they said, yuck, you should too. What a thought. Cannibalism? What, what is he? Some were offended and went away when he said that. He turned to his disciples and said, you, you, Do you want to go as well? Peter said, Where else should we go? You've got the words of eternal life. But it was a shocking statement. He who does not eat my flesh and drink my blood has no part in me, will not have eternal life. And then in John chapter 15 through 17, when he makes his great prayer, Jesus invites us again and again in a number of different ways to stay close to him, to live in him, to remain in him and stay in him. And that's where we will be joyful and fruitful. When we stay close to him. When we're connected to him the way that a a branch of a vine is connected into the vine. And the sap of the vine is coming out through the branch and producing at the right time the flowers and the grapes. It's about life in and from Jesus. Being connected to him in in a way that supplies life into us. Jesus is to us bread, body and blood, life. Now, can you go with me and say, he's the feast of God? When the Israelites were supplied with manna or with quail or with water, those were pictures of who Jesus is to us. He's our provider, our supplier. I don't think many of us will go without a meal this Christmas time. Many of us here, that is to say. Some of us need to make sure others do get a meal. But But Jesus invites us to his feast. 
to feast on him. To believe him, to receive him. We take communion most Sundays. We're not doing it this week. We will do it next week as part of our New Year's Eve celebration. But most Sundays we have communion, bread and wine, when we gather together. We handle and consume the emblems of the body and blood of Jesus. Bread for his body, grape juice for his, for his blood. By his body and blood, he made the eternal covenant of grace and redemption for us. It was done on the cross. It was beaten out there as the waves and billows of God's wrath poured upon the Holy Son of God who was there in our place and he bore our sins and justified us from our transgressions by his body being broken, by his blood being shed. Jesus invites us to feast on him, not just when we break bread, but all the time. He promises in those passages of John's Gospel that those who feed on him and live in him will never hunger or thirst again. I understand that to be that is for anything else. You know, when you've tasted the very best, the rest is just the rest. I just made that up, I think. No, it sounds like an old advert, doesn't it? When you've tasted the best, the rest is just the rest. When Jesus turned water into wine, one of the people there came to him and came to the, the man of the household and said, usually people give the good wine first, and when people are drunk, they give them the bad wine because they won't notice. But you've saved this really excellent wine to last. Jesus makes the best wine, folks. He gives you the best life. You're trading in nothing. You're losing nothing. You're only losing what should be got rid of anyway to believe in and follow Jesus. He is and gives the best. In the early chapters of Revelation, the Lord Jesus gives John seven letters to to seven specific churches in what is now Turkey, that area of the world. The content and the tone of the letters is very striking. Jesus tells it straight now. And it's like, wow. You know, if I as a pastor talk like that to people, you think, well, it's a bit... That's how Jesus talks to people. The letter to the church at Laodicea contains strongly book, but we cl- draws to a close with this invitation. Here it is from a more modern version. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. Actually, the eat is a better word there. It's dine. It's connected to the word feast and they with me. I'm standing at the door and knocking. If you hear my voice and will open the door, I'll come in and we will have a meal together. We will eat and share. Now, in my long history, I suppose, I've heard that preached many times as a gospel text. You know, this is how to invite people who aren't Christians to become Christians. That's not the way Jesus said it, really, you know. He was speaking to Christians and to a particular local church and they had pretty much excluded Jesus. They were getting on well without him, they said, they thought. And he said, here I am. I'm, I'm knocking to get back in here. And if any one of you will open the door of your life, the door of your heart, I'll come in and we will start to have that feast together. Are you hungry and thirsty for more in life? 
I want to tell you, Jesus is the feast of God. There's nothing better than knowing him. If you hear his voice, his invitation will open the door of your life to him. There's a phrase from a verse we looked at a week or two ago. Set apart Jesus as Lord in your hearts. Number one, the feast can begin. Now those three are generally the order in which we come to know the Lord Jesus. We become a Christian. Firstly, as the light of God that shines on us. For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who shines in our hearts. I, I spent, oh, I don't know, a couple of years probably in my teens trying to get back in the darkness and hide from God. Well, he caught me in the end. He's very, very, very persistent. He shone in my heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And in fact, you only realize how dark you are and how dark your life is when the light begins to shine. You go, wow, is that me? Is that what, I'm, what I am? Is that what I'm doing? Because something of the light begins to fall upon you. It is the light of God in the face of Jesus. It's light that invites you and draws you to come out of the darkness, to step out of the shadows, and draw close and face him and be there received and forgiven and given a new start. He's the light that shines on us. Then, as the gift of God, we must receive him through, through faith, which is to say, we must be born of God. 1 John, this was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own. That's speaking here of the Jewish nation at the time. And those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, and this is good still today, as many as will receive him as God's full and perfect gift, to them he gave the right, the honor, the privilege, the dignity to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, not by any human action or decision, are born of God. The children of God, though those who are born of God, born of the Spirit, they have received Jesus as God's full and entire gift. And then, and here's where for many of us we miss it, we can know Jesus as the continuing feast of God as we fellowship with him, live in him, and he lives in us. Let me give you some headlines. These are things I've been saying over the years when I've been with you as one of the pastors of Lighthouse. Faith is not a transaction. It's not do it today, done for good. No. It's a relationship. Faith is a relationship word. Don't misunderstand the phrase. The righteous will live by faith is a lifestyle, not just a decision. Redemption, the work of Jesus on the cross, was the beginning of that relationship. It's where righteousness was worked out on our behalf by Jesus bearing our sins. But our conversion, when we become a Christian, when the light begins to shine, when we begin to have faith, that's where we begin to experience this relationship of faith with a loving Heavenly Father. And fellowship with and obedience to Jesus, God's Son, is how we continue and pursue the relationship that the Bible calls, very simply, faith. I think I can guarantee that you will encounter lights and gifts and meals in the next few days. 
Remember, all those three things point to Jesus himself. The light of God, the gift of God, and the feast of God. Jesus is more than all we need. I'll say that again. Jesus is more than all we need. If we have his light, we will not live in darkness. If we receive him as God's gift, we will lack nothing. No good thing, this is Psalms, no good thing will he withhold from those who fear him. If we feed and feast on him, we'll find, even in times of trouble, even in times of illness, Kevin's not here today, but I know he'll be saying amen at this point in time. That's Kevin McVeigh, by the way. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin McVeigh. Even in times of illness, he is more than all we need. May Christ Jesus fill us with himself this Christmas time. May we be full of light and rejoice in him. May our homes and our families and our tables be blessed by his presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray together. We just mentioned again Jesus' invitation, given as part of a pretty severe ticking off to a local church, but nevertheless it's his invitation. Stands good to this day. I'm standing at the door and knocking. If you open the door, your life, your heart, your whole being to him, he'll come where you are and begin to feast with you. You begin to know his life being poured into you. That's his offer. You can take him, up, take him up on it. You just have to say, here I am, Lord Jesus. I hear you. I respond to you. Father in heaven, we thank you for our time together today. We pray that we might truly know you through your Son, the greatest gift, the indescribable gift, Every good thing comes from you, from the Father of light, and it comes through your Son, Jesus. He died in our place and rose again for our justification. We bless you and thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, while we chase up,